guys we are in another recorded episode again you can donate one dollar a month to access all the original episodes including this one if you love the show and want the show to go on no one is stopping you from allotting one dollar a month or maybe more all right let's get started before we talk about robert andrew i want to talk about brenda evers brenda was born december 16 1963 in evan oklahoma her family were devout lutherans who seemed absolutely perfect the family gathered for family meals group prayers and kept to themselves brenda and her sister went to a lutheran grade school worked at a lutheran summer camp as teens and were members of ongoing ambassadors for christ and evangelism program for teens and like i said the family were devout lutherans according to Oxygen.com, Brenda was the ideal student in Christian. She got straight A's, dressed conservatively, and never attended parties, even though she was invited a lot. Brenda didn't smoke or drink and was shy and quiet. She also wanted a man with the same standards and values as her, as people usually do. In her senior year of high school, Brenda met and began dating an Oklahoma State College student named Robert Andrew. For some reason, when I was researching this case, I couldn't find much of anything about Robert in his early years before meeting Brenda, but almost every article covering the case talked about who Brenda was. And I just wanted to point out that that wasn't fair and he's I mean, obviously, he's the victim in the story, so why do we not have much on him? Robert was studying advertising and was a devout Christian. The catch? He was a Baptist, but at the time, Brenda thought that that was something to look over because Robert held similar standards and values as her. And they continued dating and eventually got married in June 1984. Brenda transferred to Oklahoma State from a Lutheran college so she could be closer to Andrew. By all accounts, Robert seemed to be a good guy and a good husband. At first, their marriage went without a hitch, but things changed when Robert was offered a position in Texas. Brenda had gotten her degree and started working as a banker and was okay with moving to Texas. They moved and all was well until Robert accepted a job back in Oklahoma City, which is kind of wish-washy, you know, like you move to one place and then you move to another place. Brenda was shocked. She liked the job she got and had made friends in Texas. And despite Brenda's wishes, Robert headed back and left Brenda behind. They were separated for a few months until Brenda moved back with Roberts. All of this moving put a strain on their marriage and things weren't going well. On December 23rd, 1990, Brenda and Robert had their first child, Tricity. Brenda decided to be a stay-at-home mom, which is totally valid, and four years later in 1994, they had a son named Parker. So Robert's six-figure job as an advertising executive meant that the family was well off and they had a very nice and large home. Brenda's role remained as a stay-home mom and wife. Brenda was also a Sunday school teacher at the church they attended. Despite what their marriage looked like from the outside, like I said, their marriage was pretty rocky. Brenda began to change up her style and demeanor after Robert and Brenda had their second child. She became verbally abusive to Robert and Robert confided in his friends and pastor that Brenda hated him and their marriage was a mistake. I understand going through hard times with a spouse and maybe Brenda had postpartum but I don't understand being verbally abusive. There's no excuse for it. And from all the sources I read, Brenda was wearing more revealing outfits than what was normal for her and made her new style quote overly sexual and proactive. Usually this isn't quite a cause of concern. Hindsight's 
2020, but Brenda began to exchange in multiple affairs outside her marriage with Robert. So that's concerning. In some interviews with fellow churchgoers about Brenda in 1994, they all mentioned her new style was very unlike her. One coworker told the Oklahoma newspaper that Brenda's clothing was inappropriate to wear at church, especially since she was a Sunday school teacher. And that I can understand because there is universal knowledge that in a typical Christian church, or any church for that matter, modesty is a huge deal and of course that would raise some eyebrows, especially that community. So let's talk about the affairs Brenda engaged with. Funnily enough, Robert had caught Brenda cheating on him during their engagement. Robert had driven past a motel and seen Brenda with her ex-boyfriend, and even with this, they still got married. What is sad is that Brenda was cheating since the beginning of their relationship and continued to during the marriage. Robert, being a Christian and everything, didn't believe in divorce, which is why they hadn't considered it until Brenda filed for divorce later on. Brendan began seeing Rick Nunley in October of 1997. She met Rick through her co-worker and friend from the bank she previously worked at. They ended the affair in 1998 but kept in touch. In 1999, Brenda met James Higgin who worked at a grocery store. James said Brenda would show up in low-cut tops and short skirts and they would flirt with each other. And he was also a married man. One day, Brenda handed James a hotel key and told him to meet her at the hotel where the affair kicked off for two years until May 2001. They stayed friends and James was often hired to do household renovations for Robert and Brenda's house. Can you just imagine for one second that the man that your wife is having an affair with is also renovating? your house? Andrews met James Pavitt, a different James, mind you, who attended the same church as them, and James and Brenda became fellow Sunday school teachers. This was around the time Brenda changed her style and began openly flirting with other men, and James wasn't any different. He was also friends with Robert, and James and his wife spent time at the Andrews house at dinners and get-togethers. So James was also a life insurance agent, and in mid-2001, he helped the Andrews out with setting up a life insurance policy worth $800,000 on Robert, where Brenda was the sole benefit. Can you just imagine where I'm going with this? While this was going down, James and Brenda were having an affair and they didn't do much to hide it either. The members of their church were fully aware of what was going on and they were both asked to step down as Sunday school teachers. So James soon divorced his wife, and because they didn't try to hide anything, Robert also knew about the affair and confronted Brenda. In October, Brenda filed for divorce and kicked Robert out of their home and changed the locks and the alarm code of the house so he couldn't get inside. Brenda also became very outspoken about her hatred for Robert. She told friends that she hated Robert and wanted him dead. The divorce papers weren't even finalized, but we later know that was on purpose. On October 26, 2001, James' daughter called Robert from the hospital in Norman in California and told Robert that Brenda needed him. Robert ran to his car and realized the brake lines were cut. He called the hospital to let Brenda know but found out that Brenda was not admitted there and there wasn't any record of her being there at all. Robert did manage to get to the dealership where his brakes were fixed. And according to Oxygen.com, Robert told the mechanic, who also happened to be a friend of his, quote, Phil, somebody's out to take my life. According to NapaValleyRegister.com, Robert told the police that he felt Brenda was trying to kill him to get the insurance money. The police said that they had no reason to suspect Brenda or put her under surveillance. 
During the time of the break incident, Brenda and Robert were going through a nasty custody battle over their children. Brenda did not allow Robert to see them or even have a night with them, and she especially did not want to leave Robert alone with the kids. And like I said earlier, Robert was convinced Brenda was trying to kill him. Robert tried to remove her from his insurance policy and name his brother as the sole beneficiary instead, but James, the insurance agent, wouldn't change the plan because it was already set in stone. Despite the policy being literally about Robert's life, James also told Robert that Brenda owned the policy and this decision was legally only hers to make. I don't think that's how it works. And Robert knew that. Robert went over James' head and complained to his boss about why James denied the change. The boss agreed with Robert, obviously, and began the legal process to change the beneficiary. Also during this interaction, Robert found out that he was the owner of the policy and that since Robert himself was the owner, he could have absolutely taken Brenda off the policy. Robert also confided to James' boss that he thought James and Brenda were trying to kill him. So Robert's not shy about this fact and he told everyone around him that Brenda wants to kill him and nothing came of that until after. So when James found out that Robert went to his boss, he was pissed and threatened Robert and told him he better not try it and get him fired from his job or else. Which I'm like, you could have thought of that before giving false information to someone about their life insurance policy. Like, like, why are you wrapped up in this, man? Days after the break incident, Robert gave Brenda full custody of the children. And from everything I read, I think he was trying to toe the line. He was afraid of Brenda and was trying to keep her happy. Robert didn't tell her about the insurance policy, but I'm pretty sure that he knew that she knew because of James, because James is a little biatch, if you know what I mean. So on Thanksgiving in 2001, Robert went to pick up his children. According to ABC News, Robert was on the phone leaving his best friend Ronnie Stump a voice message telling him he was on his way picking up the kids so they could celebrate Thanksgiving together. Robert then called Ronnie and Ronnie picked up. In the middle of the call, the garage door came up. Robert hung up the phone, parked his car in the garage, and stepped out. Brenda came up to meet him and suddenly 16 gauge bullets ripped into Robert's neck and torso. Brenda got hit in the arm and ran into the house to call the police around 6.20 p.m. According to People.com, she called crying saying, quote, I've been shot. My husband and I, we've been shot. When police arrived at the scene, Brenda told them two armed masked men in black attacked Robert, shot him twice, and then shot Brenda while she ran into the house. Paramedics took her to the hospital and treated her very superficial wound. Police found the Andrews children in a bedroom watching TV. The volume was turned up high and they had no idea what had happened. There also weren't any packed bags and the children didn't seem ready to spend Thanksgiving with their father. According to the Cinemaholic, Robert's autopsy revealed that he was likely shot with a 16-gauge shotgun from two separate angles. One shot was a few feet away and the second one was at close range. This did not match up with Brenda's statement where she had said Robert was shot at from a distance. Is she dumb? First of all, she didn't even pack up the kids' bags. People don't think about these tiny things, you know? And second of all, is she not aware that science exists? Brenda, you're dumb. So during the investigation, more details poked holes in Brenda's story. Robert owned a 16-gauge shotgun and wanted to take it when he moved out, understandably, but Brenda refused. Police searched the home, but it didn't come up. And that was very strange since the shotgun was such a big deal for Brenda to have and keep. According to the Cinemaholic, the blood spatter analysis on Brenda's jeans revealed the angle at which Robert's blood hit her. And with Robert's autopsy and the blood spatter results, police now confirmed that Brenda's story was literal crap. 
and they also searched the neighbors' houses. During one search, police found someone had entered the attic through an opening in a bedroom closet. A spent 16-gauge shotgun shell was found in the bedroom, and a few 22 caliber bullets were found in the attic. And it didn't seem like there were any signs of force entry. And the same neighbors had left Brenda a key to their house, and they were out of town during the break-in and murder. Also, the shell found in Brenda's home was the same brand and gauge found in the neighbor's home. How did you think you're going to get away with this? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to laugh. I just think it's so ridiculous that Brenda really thought she could make up this whole story and nobody would investigate. So remember James' daughter from that weird hospital thing when Robert's brake lines were cut? Well, James took her car to service it the day of the murder and returned the car the next day and his daughter found a 22 caliber bullet on the floorboard. James told her to throw it out, but she didn't and handed it over to the police. That bullet matched the bullets found in both the neighbor's home and Brenda's home. So police began to learn about James and Brenda's relationship, the insurance policy, and the conversation Robert had with the car dealership friend, the insurance supervisor, and his friends. According to Oxygen.com, on the day of Robert's funeral, the service ran late and Brenda and the children were nowhere to be found. Police searched for them and feared they fled the country, and it turns out Brenda and James took the children to Mexico. How do you let prime suspects get away? James had called his daughter many times for money, and unbeknownst to him, his daughter was working with the FBI to locate them. Eventually, James and Brenda ran out of money and tried to sneak back into the United States in February 2002 after three months on the run. They were promptly arrested in Hidalgo, Texas. Brenda and James were then extradited to Oklahoma City. In July, they were both charged with first-degree murder charges and faced the death penalty. Of course, they both pled not guilty, and during this, the children were given custody to Robert's parents, their grandparents. Brenda and James were tried separately. In James's trial, prosecutors used the fact that James was an ex-army sniper and was currently in an affair with Brenda, which was very obviously everyone knew about it, and tried to prevent Robert from removing Brenda as the beneficiary to convince the jury to find him guilty. With all of this damning evidence, the jury found him guilty and gave him the death sentence. In June 2017, James appealed the death sentence, which was overturned before being reinstated by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2019. According to Ina News, James's appeals are exhausted and is now eligible to be put to death when Oklahoma resumes executions. He is currently imprisoned at the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister, Oklahoma. In 2004, Brenda's trial began. Her affairs were revealed and prosecutors brought James Higgin, the grocery guy, to the stand. Brenda's defense mentioned that she was shot, but forensic experts claimed her wounds were self-inflicted. Also, there is evidence that Brenda used the handgun that has shot her arm. The wound was also superficial, and usually when people commit these crimes, the murderer or accomplice would shoot themselves to make it look like they were also targeted, and while they were made sure to do that, they also didn't want to seriously injure themselves. Like So in the trial, they found James shot Robert first, and then Brenda shot Robert, killing him. She then shot herself in the arm, and James could have shot her and made it look real, but I'm glad that they were stupid. Brenda's defense used a letter supposedly written by James stating he was solely responsible for killing Robert. Handwriting experts claimed that the letter was fake. According to Oxygen.com, Brenda was also trying to get rid of James. She hoped that James would be executed for the murder of her husband. So why, you might ask? Well, she took out an insurance policy on James and wanted to receive both his and Robert's policy at the same time. The jury deliberated for only six hours before coming up with a guilty verdict. As Brenda faced sentencing, she smiled. According to Oxygen.com, when Brenda gave her statement, she said, quote, The verdict which sentenced me to the death penalty is an egregious marriage of justice. I am an innocent woman, wrongfully 
convicted. I think it's ironic that she even mentioned marriage, but she obviously never respected it and she smiled during sentencing wishes. Brenda also tried to appeal her death sentence, but it was denied in 2008. Brenda tried to appeal the death sentence in 2018, but it was also denied. She remains the only female on death row at the Maybell Bassett Correctional Center in McLeod, Oklahoma. My gosh, I am glad that they are both stupid and they were caught. I feel very sorry for Robert and the children. I'm glad Robert got justice, but this whole situation was so horrible and so insane. No one deserved this. Email me what you think about this case. I am just speechless. <laughs> I feel the life insurance policies can do good in tragedies, but it opens the door to murder so many times. There's so many cases out there where the motive was money from these policies and it just seems so obvious. I hope you have a good rest of your day and stay safe out there, guys. Thank you for listening to Crime Cloud. If you would like to access my Instagram, go to at CrimeCloudPodcast. And for my Twitter, go to at CrimeCloudPod. To find the blog, go to CrimeCloudPodcast.blog. To email suggestions or corrections, use CrimeCloudPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and supporting the podcast.